You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Scripture itself says God takes no pleasure at all in the death of a wicked person. But turn, turn from your sin. There's the chance, turn away, turn away. Now, you gotta look at this in context because Ezekiel was spoken regarding the judgment that was coming upon Judah and Jerusalem. But the principle is still the same. It is rooted in God's character. It's rooted right there. It applies to God's eternal judgment. He is not happy when people choose hell. God personally formed each and every individual person. He knew you before your parents, siblings, friend, spouse, or anyone you know well. So God loves you. He doesn't wish anything bad on you, even when you mess up. When mistakes get made, don't forget who loves you more than anyone ever could. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 18, as he continues his message, David's Bittersweet Victory. We know that he seized the throne of Israel. We know that he violated David's concubines. And we know that he wants to kill David. If he wants to succeed as king, he has to kill David. But David doesn't want any harm to come to his son. Remember, David's a man after God's own heart. And am I ever thankful that the Lord hasn't dealt with me according to my sin? Am I ever thankful that in David, again, we get a picture of Jesus Christ. In his grace, God gives us what we don't deserve. And in his mercy, he does not give us what we do deserve. God is most gracious. Think about it. Jesus did not deserve to die. He was sinless. He did not deserve to die, yet he took the punishment, he took the nails, he took the scourging, he took the crown of thorns for us, for every one of you, for me, for everyone in the entire world. He did that. He didn't have to, but he did that. And if you come and you come with us and study on Monday night, you'll find out that he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. What a Savior. What a Savior we have. Dwell on that for a while. Dwell on that concept for a while. Take it personally because he did it for each and every one of you in here. He did it personally for you. He knew all about you. He knew your sin. He knew what was good points about you and bad points about you. And believe me, there's not much good. And he died for you anyhow. He went to a cross and died for you. Think about that. Think about what a savior we have. Let's read 6 and 8. So the people went out into the field and the battle against Israel. 
and the battle was in the woods of Ephraim. And the people of Israel were overthrown before the air before the servants of David, and a great slaughter of 20,000 took place that day. So we have here we have the defeat of Absalom's army. God is on David's side. God is on David's side. They go into these woods, and it's interesting because we're going to read more here. If we go through uh, 9 now, it says, Then Absalom uh, met with his servants, uh, David. Absalom rode on a mule. The mule went under the thick boughs of a great timbereth tree, and his head was caught in the timber, so there was left hanging between heaven and earth, and the mule which was under him went on. Now, I missed the part. Wait a minute. Oh, missed 8. Eight, I'm sorry. For the battle was scattered over the face of the whole countryside, and the woods devoured more people that day than the sword. That's where I was going. I'm sorry. God was on David's side. They were in the thick of these woods, and the woods was killing more people than the sword was killing. God was working miraculously in David's life. God was working miraculously. He was trying to restore it using David. God was on David's side. And we read that one more time. I'm going to read all the way to 17 now. Then Absalom met the servants of David. Absalom rode on a mule. The mule went under a thick bough of a great timber tree, and his head caught in the timbereth, and so he was left hanging between heaven and earth, and the mule which was under him went on. Now a certain man saw it and told Joab and said, I just saw Absalom hanging in a timber tree. So Joab said to the man who told him, And you just saw him? Why did you not strike him there to the ground? I would have given you ten shekels of silver and a belt. But the man said to Joab, Though I were to receive a thousand shekels of silver in my hand, I would not raise my hand against the king's son. For in our hearing, the king commanded you and Abishai and Ittai, saying, Beware, lest anyone touch the young man Absalom. Otherwise, I would have dealt falsely against my own life. For there is nothing hidden from the king, and you yourself would have set yourself against me. Then Joab said, I cannot linger with you. And he took three spears in his hand and thrust them through Absalom's heart while he was still alive in the midst of the timber tree. And the ten young men who bore Joab's armor surrounded Absalom and struck and killed him. So Joab blew the trumpet, and the people returned from pursuing Israel, for Joab held back the people. And they took Absalom and cast him into a large pit in the woods and laid a very large heap of stones over him. Then all Israel fled, everyone to his tent. Might as well finish in 18. Now Absalom in his lifetime had taken and set up a pillar for himself, which is in the king's valley. For he said, I have no sons to keep my name in remembrance. And he called the pillar after his own name. And to this day, it's called Absalom's monument. So the battle continues. It's kind of an interesting thing here. What was the main feature of Absalom that everybody adored? His looks and what? His hair. His long hair. He had long, luxurious hair. Remember 2 Samuel 14? His glory was now his curse. For he got stuck in that tree. He's literally caught by his own hair in the thick of the trees in the forest. His hair once again becomes the downfall. Allah Samson, pride, leads to judgment. In Job 5.15 it says, he catches the wise in their craftiness. The men who found Absalom didn't dare try to kill him. They wouldn't lay a hand on him because they heard the king's voice. So they went to Joab. Joab, 
Joab, we know all about Joab. He was one ruthless guy. But see, he knew that Absalom had to die. If David was going to be a successful king, the rebellion had to be squelched, and Absalom had to die. It was important. It's interesting, though, but both Absalom and Ahithophel died on trees. The Israelite hanging a body on a tree was an evidence of a curse of God. Deuteronomy 21, 22, and 23. But look what Paul says about Jesus in Galatians 3, 13. Galatians 3, 13, Paul says this. Christ has condemned us from the curse of the law, has redeemed us, excuse me, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Jesus, hanging upon the tree, upon the cross, became a curse for us that he might redeem us from the curse of the law. Again, we have this glorious insight to God's grace towards us in Christ. But though he was rich, and yet for our sakes he became poor, and though through his poverty that we might know the riches of God, his poverty became our riches in God's, God's economy. That's quite a deal when you think about it. He was so rich, but yet he emptied himself. It's the old back to Philippians 2. It's the kenosis theory. He emptied himself. He emptied himself and became a man. His poverty, we might know the riches of God. God made him to be sin, who knew no sin for us. Did you ever wonder about Jesus hanging on the cross that day? Did you ever wonder what it was like when all the entire sin of the world came upon him? Can you imagine what a shock that was to his body? He he knew no sin. He absolutely knew no sin. But yet, all the sin of the world came onto his body that time. Can you imagine the shock? Every rotten thing that was ever committed by man, every perverted thing, everything that can be disgusting and disgraceful, every rotten sin was thrown upon his body. Can you imagine the feeling of that coming on him? But he took it. He took it for us. God made him to be sin who knew no sin. Why? so that we might be made the righteousness of God through him. He did that for us. He redeemed us from the curse of the law because he became a curse for us by hanging on a tree. Look at the crimes of Absalom. Look at the betrayal of Ahithophel. Look at their crimes, their major crimes. Is it any wonder they're cursed? Is it any wonder that God cursed them? I bet you're right now thinking, well, what about David? What about David's crimes? What about him? God allowed him to live. At one time, Absalom was the most popular man in the whole kingdom, but he's buried in a pit with stones on it. How did God feel about all this? How did God feel about all this? I want to say something about God's grace. I'm going to turn to Ezekiel 11. I'm going to say something about God's grace. Ezekiel 33. God speaking through the prophet Ezekiel says this. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. 
Turn, turn from your evil ways. For why should you die, O house of Israel? It's how God feels when a wicked person dies. People get the feeling that God's up there cheering people to go to hell. That's totally false. Scripture itself says God takes no pleasure at all in the death of a wicked person. But turn, turn from your sin. There's the chance. Turn away. Turn away. Now, you got to look at this in context because Ezekiel was spoken regarding the judgment that was coming upon Judah and Jerusalem. But the principle is still the same. It is rooted in God's character. It's rooted right there. It applies to God's eternal judgment. He is not happy when people choose hell. In fact, you've seen the old story that in order to get to hell, people have to trample on Jesus Christ to get there because he's standing in the way. General desire for God is that all humanity would come to the knowledge and repentance. All. All would be saved. Turn. Turn from your evil way. I love that. Hear the desire in God's heart? Turn from your evil way. It's like God is pleading with us today. He's pleading with this nation. America, turn from your evil ways. America, turn back to me. You were founded on my principles. You were founded on my commandments. You were founded on Jesus Christ. Turn back to me, America. Turn, turn. If you would but repent, you could live. Will we? I don't know. The Lord's longing is that men and women would choose life, not death. God wanted Israel to live and not die. He wants all of us to live and not die. He wants us all to live forever. The question is, why should you die, O house of Israel? Because you have means. Repent and come back. Why should anyone die? Repent and come to God. There is no need for anyone to die. Repent and come back to God. Repent and go to God. Simple. It's simple. Let's look at verses 19 through 32. Then... Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, said, Let me run now and take the news to the king, how the enemies have avenged, how the, how the Lord has avenged him of his enemies. And Joab said to him, You shall not take the news this day, for you shall take the news another day. But today you shall take no news, because the king's son is dead. Then Joab said to the Cushite, Go, tell the king what you have seen. So the Cushite bowed himself to Joab and ran. And Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, and said again to Joab, but whatever happens, please let me also run after the Cushite. And Joab said, why will you run, my son, since you already have no news ready? But whatever happens, he said, let me run. And so he said, run. Then Ahimaaz ran by the way of the plains and outran the Cushite. Now David was sitting between the two gates, and the watchman went up on the roof over the gate to the wall, lifted up his eyes, and looked, and there was a man running alone. The watchman cried out and told the king, and the king said, If he's alone, there is news in his mouth. And he came rapidly and drew near. And then the watchman saw another man running, and the watchman called to the gatekeeper and said, There is another man running alone. And David said, the king said, He also has, brings news. So the watchman said, I think the running of the first, it looks like the running of Ahimaaz, son of Zadok. And the king said, he's a good man and comes with good news. So Ahimaaz called out and said to the king, all is well. Then he bowed down with his face to the earth before the king and said, blessed be the Lord your God who has delivered up the men who raised their hand against my lord the king. And the king said, 
Is the young man Absalom safe? Ahimaaz answered, When Joab sent the king's servant and me, your servant, I saw a great tumult, but I did not know what it was about. And the king said, Turn aside and stand here. So he turned aside and stood. Just then the Cushite came, and the Cushite said, There is good news, my lord, the king, for the Lord has avenged you this day of all those who rose against you. And the king said to the Cushite, Is the young man Absalom safe? So the Cushite answered, May the enemies of the Lord, the king, and all who raised against you do harm be like that young man. David's on the watchtower. He's waiting the news. He's awaiting the news, and he's sitting between the gates. He's looking out, trying to see if anybody's coming. David can only sit there and think. Maybe he was praying, it doesn't say. But I can imagine David sitting there, waiting for the news of the battle. He's thinking of all that's transpired, thinking of his time with Bathsheba, thinking of the murder of her husband, thinking of the death of the son that was born to Bathsheba, thinking about the rape of his daughter Tamar, the murder of his firstborn, Amon, the rebellion of his most beloved son, Absalom, the conspiracy to usurp the throne, David's escape to the wilderness once again. All these things were playing through his head, no doubt. He was weary. He was exhausted from all this. And he sees a runner coming in the distance. And then he sees two runners. And I'm sure his heart started to pound because he didn't realize what the result would be. He was wondering, what is the result going to be? Is my son alive or is he dead? What is the result going to be? And I'm sure he started to breathe hard. He might have started to sweat. He was wondering. Listen to David's heart. Is the young man Absalom safe? He said that in a way that was his hope. He didn't ask if Absalom was dead. He asked if Absalom was safe. Last year, when Mark and I went over to the, my son's apartment, I knew in my heart that he was dead. I knew in my heart that he was gone. Me and I knew that from the day we, night, day time we woke up. For some reason, we just felt that he was gone. Mark and I waited until the fire department got there and they put that ladder up and the guy climbed on it. I was standing about there and my heart was pounding. My heart was pounding. And they looked in the window and he looked at and they looked at one guy and he kind of shook his head. And I looked up to the man and I said, Is he there? And he went, Yeah. And I asked the same question that, I, that David asked. He said, Is he alive? I feel David. I feel him. He didn't want his boy to die. He loved his son so much. He loved his son. And he thought of the positive. Is he safe? Instead of asking. He, David probably knew with the men coming with, with things, especially after Ahimaaz said, the Lord has avenged you from all your enemies. David knew. David knew he was, he was sure that Absalom now was dead. Ahimaaz couldn't tell David. What Joab forbid him. Why did Joab permit Why wouldn't he let Ahimaaz tell David? I think he was afraid David would act out in vengeance. I think he was afraid that David might act out in vengeance and kill Ahimaaz. So that's why he allowed the Cushite to go. You go tell him. You go tell him. I don't know. I don't know. But tragic struck again. David understood 
that God had allowed this. David understood that God had allowed one more of his sons to die. And David had to accept that and know that God was working mightily in his life. And David had to be comfortable and confident in the fact that God knew what he was doing because God is a sovereign God. And when he acts accordingly, we have to remember that he's sovereign. And we have to remember that he's God and we're not. We don't get to decide. God never asked me, if I minded, he'd take my son. God never asked David, if he minded, if he took Absalom. It was God's will, God's plan. And David accepted that. But we talked about grief earlier. We talked about grief earlier. And listen to verse 33. And every time I read verse 33, it's a very difficult verse for me to read. And then the king was deeply moved and went up to his chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went out and thus he said, Oh, my son, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, if only I had died in your place. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. David knew that everything that had happened to him were consequences for what he had happened in Bathsheba and with her husband, Uriah. David knew that. But yet, he still grieved for his son. And it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. We're not stone creatures. We're not super people who have no grief. It's okay when a bad thing's happened to you for you to grieve. In fact, it's quite normal. Grief is a normal process, believe it or not. And when we lose people we love, when we lose people who are close to us, or we might lose a job or whatever, there's a grief that follows. And there is a process that you have to go through. But you and I need to remember that throughout the entire process, just like with David, God is right by your side. God is there to comfort you, to nurture you, to weep with you. Jesus wept. We're going to get there in chapter 11 pretty soon when we get to John. Jesus wept over the death of Lazarus. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep, it says. We come alongside of people in their time, and we weep with them if necessary. We bring the presence of God with us into a situation. Now, we know God's there, but we bring the presence of God. And sometimes the best thing you can do in a situation like that is just be present. If you don't have words, don't say anything. Sometimes it's not necessary to say anything. It's just being there with someone, going through a difficult time, being there, loving on them, giving them comfort, allowing them to cry, allowing them to get out what is in their heart. David goes up to his room and he cries to God, Oh, Absalom, my Absalom, where? Well, it should have been me. One commentator said this, Yes, Absalom was dead. And David once again tasted the pain of forgiven sin. Sometimes, even though we sin and it's forgiven, there are consequences to bear. And sometimes those consequences aren't so nice. You are
The book of 2 Samuel is a continuation of David's journey to the throne promised him years before. It follows his life and relationship with God, with his family, and with the people entrusted to his leadership. David has much to teach you, and we encourage you to continue studying this Old Testament book. If you missed any part of today's teaching on Assure Hope, or if you'd like to listen to additional teachings from Pastor Dave, visit AssureHopeRadio.com today. Maybe today, as you were listening, you found you have some questions about faith, and maybe even about salvation. We'd be happy to talk with you and provide some resources to answer your questions and start you on a journey that will change your life for the better. Give us a call. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. And while you're on our website, visit the page How to Be Saved to read all about the plan of salvation God set up long ago. We'd love to meet you, too. If you're in the area, join us this weekend at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. You can find directions and more information at assurehoperadio.com. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, too. Just follow the link on our page to follow us. We're coming to an end of our time with you today. We're so glad you took the time to study God's Word today with Pastor Dave, and we hope you'll join us next time as we explore deeper into the book of 2 Samuel, right here on Assure Hope.